0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Inside the Digital Health and Sales Locker Room. I'm your host, Josh Pappas. And as a reminder, I'm the Director of Sales for Tendo. Episode number 22 features... A rockstar panel where we dig into healthcare and recruiting. Recruiting can be a key component of growing, scaling, optimizing any startup or any mature company. And today's panel, we take a look at some of the misconceptions, some of the best practices, and make sure to take a look in the show notes to find your next dream role. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast. Excited for this special episode as we dig into healthcare and recruiting. So really excited to dive into some of these topics with expert panel here. So we do an origin story. So I'm going to start with you, Sarah, and uh, go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience and kind of talk about your origin story into recruiting.
1: Yeah. Um, So I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here um a little bit about me so i started actually kind of in politics and the legislative affairs world um grad like graduated with a degree in political science i was like i do not want to go to law school um kind of height of the recession so did what a lot of people do which is fall face first into recruiting and i took a Um, kind of like a recruiting assistant position with an executive search firm. Um, And then from there, went to global consulting firm, working with university MBA grads. Um, And then as we all know, life happens. So baby uh, COVID divorce, the whole nine. So I ended up doing full cycle recruiting at kind of a hybrid staffing agency. And then got into health tech, and I haven't really looked back since then. Um, So first working for direct-to-consumer health tech company, and now I'm working for a SaaS B2B health tech company focused on price transparency with Turquoise Health.
0: Well, welcome, Sarah. and excited to dig in because I love your company and uh, definitely love your background. So I'll I'll go over to you, Michael, Uh, same thing, origin story, and introduce yourself to the listeners.
2: Yeah, it's awesome to be here, Josh. So glad to be here. I'm Michael, Michael Mann, and I started out in education, uh, did that for a while. I was in special education and said not forever. So I transitioned into healthcare from that. I was a director of social services at a skilled nursing facility. So I learned everything about Discoordinated Care, I call it, you know, everything about healthcare from there. Really enjoyed it, got several certifications, got my certification as a geriatric care manager, was able to get case, um, like started my own company as a, a care manager, uh, had a contract with the Qmana, did that during the ACA, went back to school, got my master's in healthcare administration from George Washington University. And uh, really, the last 10 years, I've been really big into business development, health tech, and so I got into recruiting uh, as a director of partnerships and really growing the healthcare practice at DeSanti. And so that's how I entered into recruiting. And uh, lo- I love it. Um, so I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, welcome, Michael. And last but not least, Greg, kind of describe your origin story and then excited to dig into all the topics.
3: Yeah, so I started out as a Green Beret medic about 10 years ago. Um, did eight years on active duty, one year in uh, the guard, and you know during that transition it was what it was you know either go back to PA school because I had the the medical experience or transition into the med device field and had two kids at the time decided that didn't want to go back to school full time and went into the med, de- med device field and um, did that for three years worked with uh, Baxter in the in the OR and then sold for a company called Wound Vision which is a thermographic imaging device and. Proprietary wound documentation solution. Then I found my, about it, that. That kind of gets into like maybe our next topic here. But it, you know, challenges of selling in healthcare. I really did not like the um, capital sales cycle. It was too long for me. I'm very impatient, and uh, I know that I love building teams. So uh, that that kind of was my my spurred that spurred me into to moving over into recruiting in the health tech field. Is I wanted something a little bit more fast paced and something where I could be working with. People to find their next opportunities on a, on a regular basis.
0: Well, welcome! Excited for the entire panel, and uh, you know this is a sports theme podcast, right? So we'll we'll definitely throw some uh, you know some sports metaphors in there. But recruiting's pivotal, especially if you're at an early stage company. But you know even late stage company, everything in between, building the team, building the right team, scaling is uh, super critical. So welcome all of you guys and. We'll get started. So I'll start actually with you, Greg, in reverse snake draft order. Uh, so we do a top and bottom story, right? Uh, and interested, you could take this either way, right? Uh, we, on a sales side, we kind of talk about our best or worst experience, you know, selling, right? Uh, but I guess for this group, you can, you know, either do the selling. Recruiting is, you know, usually a lot of selling, you know, best or worst or best or worst, I guess, you know, candidate and placement um, story. So you can start with it, Greg, and go whichever way you want to.
3: Yeah, let's see here. You know, so I've only been doing this for for three months now in the recruiting game, and I'd say it's uh, I've been rejected harder in the in the recruiting space on a business development standpoint from a business development standpoint than any other cell that I've ever had. Um, the door gets slammed really, really quick, um, and so which is fine. it's good, but you know the the learning lesson for me has always been like, yeah, you get to know, and that's you get to move on, right? Um, and I think that you know, selling, selling in the recruiting space is a lot more about shots on goal as opposed to, you know, really, it's obviously important to to build out relationships, but you have to, you have to get a high number I mean, you have to be making, you know, 40 to 60 calls, trying to get that four hour call time every, every day uh, in order to be successful in, in this industry. So that's kind of been my, mo- the most humbling part of, of selling in the recruiting space so far.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. What about what about maybe a highlight, right? Either in your sales career or you know some of, some of the early um, highlights on on your recruiting side.
3: Yeah, you know I've been off to a pretty hot start um, when it comes to to recruiting. I've been surprised by how many roles that I've picked up in the in the first few months that I've been um, doing this, and it's all it all stems from a lot of the content creation that I was doing on LinkedIn and the relationships that I was able to build there. Um, but yeah, I have already already have a placement. Um, And then I have like three or four other jobs that should be closing here in the next like month or so. So it's been it's been a lot of fun and uh, I've been I've been enjoying it.
0: Awesome. I love the perspective. Uh, Just just starting out, too, because I think there's a lot of people that have made that transition. So that probably resonates with them.
3: What about you, Michael?
0: Anything that stands out on a uh, best and worst? Uh, Take it whichever way you want.
2: Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a bad guy. I'm going to probably not answer the question, but I, cause I just had something pop up as Greg mentioned. I just think everything in sales and recruiting is urgency. I mean, that's all it is. And, you know, I, I don't want to drop a a $1.5 billion contract that, well, I almost did, but anyway, you know, whatever. But, um, I think what really gets me excited. And I think all of us in sales is that urgency to close the deal and do it from start to finish. And man, we're, we're in recruiting, we're competing often with other agencies. I work for an agency and uh, you know, so how many candidates can you put in and kind of, you know, navigating that with the hiring manager, really understanding and trying to to, I don't know. I just I love that. It just is great and, and presenting. And then when you finally place that and then the negotiating, you know, with the salary back and forth and those sort of things and closing the deal and finally getting that offer letter and getting that back. So I, I, I guess that to me is like, I don't want that to ever get old or tired of that. So um, anyway, that that's that's just the process of it. I just I love getting, um, you know, making it happen. But the urgency is so critical because um, for anyone out there, this is for the audience. When recruiters, we are annoying. We do frustrate you, but, and it is a frustrating thing for all of us, the marketplace. But when someone reaches out to you, they really need your resume ASAP because they're trying to present you and you're going to miss out. And so that is that one opportunity. So anyway, (laughs) No, nah, thanks, Michael. And what about you, Sarah? Anything to stand out on
0: kind of you know some of your your best or worst uh, experiences that you can think of?
1: Yeah. Um. So I have a doozy. When I was doing clinical recruiting, I uh, one of my GMs. We were doing a dermat- dermatological line, right? And so we needed a medical advisor for dermatology. And she sent me an article from like the New York Times and was like, "Hey, I have these like great people. We should reach out to them." Like okay, great. Like, let me just LinkedIn message these two dermatologists featured in the New York times, whatever. I didn't think anything would come of it. And one of them wrote back and was like, yeah, I'm definitely interested. The other one, I took almost a month of going through her executive assistant, all of that. I finally got 15 minutes on her calendar and she showed up to the call and she didn't pick up for like 10 minutes, called me back. I was like, I'm so sorry. I was on a walk and like, you know, I kind of go into my spiel of like, you know, this is what we're doing. Here's our hourly rate, all of this. And basically like, I'm not even done with my two sentences. in, And she's like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not interested. I was like, Oh, okay. No problem. Like, I appreciate it. Like, do you know anyone who might be interested? And she was like, absolutely not. And hung up on me but this isn't even, it doesn't think it's it better. So then eight months later, I'm now at turquoise, right? I've left my other job. I'm at turquoise, not working on clinical roles. And she writes me and was like, Hey, like, I think I missed your message or my assistant didn't pass it on. Would you like want to talk like, and I'm just like, no, no, I do not. But thank you. So really bad. Don't love doing that. Um, I would say best, you know, for me, I, you know, and I'm sure you guys as well get hit up by a lot of people who are like, Hey, I have a new program, a new something you've been trial, like whatever. And, you know, my name is misspelled, like Sarah S-A-R-A. Like how hard is that? Like they don't get the company right. They're like, they, they copy my hiring managers on here who have no control over it. So I would say that's part of the, the. The bad ones too, but I'm sorry. I, went, I was trying to go to Best. Um, best is like the opposite, right? Like I have uh, an account executive I worked with for our, our ATS system who has just been so great and patient and we really built up a rapport where she now will get me to talk to her prospects and say, hey, like tell them about your experience. And so I think that's truly been a really great sale, I guess for her, not for me, but yeah, either way.
0: Yeah, no, it's good, good to see some others succeed. What about, um mean, we'll start with you, Sarah. What about you know, some of the biggest misconceptions that you find that people have, you know, about recruiting, right. Or people you come, you know, come across. Um, yeah. I'd love to give, give a couple and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get Michael and Greg's thoughts.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the first one for me is that like, people think recruiting is easy, right. Um, you're like, Oh, all you do is like talk to people all day. And it's like, that's part of my job. It's not all of it. You know, when you really think about recruiting. It is a strategy role. It's an ops role. It's a sales role. It's an account management role. You're working cross-functionally with legal and finance, and you're doing marketing, whether it's your own LinkedIn or employer branding. You're having to run reports for leadership. And so you are literally doing a little bit of what everyone else in the company is doing, and you have to know the business as well. And so um, it's draining. So I think that's kind of the biggest one. I think the other one is I think people think i love to talk all day and that i'm like really extroverted and i'm pretty extroverted but there are those days where i'm like i don't want to talk to anyone else for like 15 hours like i want silence like i don't even want to hear the tv it's too much
0: no i love those i i I think i can resonate with a lot of them what about
2: you michael what are some of the biggest misconceptions you've come across we cannot get you a job sorry We get so many people that have a friend that has a friend. And my gosh, we love, I mean, yes, for certain levels and to network. Yes, we want to network. We will do, I will do as most as I, best as I can to help. Um, But really, you know, we're an agency. So agencies, you know, there are some that are huge behemoths and, you know, we're small, but um, even good size, they might not have. You know, they might have 20 roles that they're placing and that's it. You know, like, you know, I'm doing a data analyst and I need a SQL X and that hiring manager needs something super, super specific. And no, I I wish I could help you. So um, but of course, most of us in recruiting will do everything we can because we understand that frustration and we try to help. Uh, you know, make an introduction, you know, really quick. um, Or we have partners that are more like the career resume reviser or whatever. Um, And so the other thing I wanted to mention what Sarah was doing a great job with is that obviously she works for Tortoise uh, Health or, excuse me, anyway, but she is with that organization. So she really has to understand the mission, the vision, the marketing, for us in the agency side, we really have to be, you know, quickly discerning those each and every one of those hiring managers at different companies. So that's that's a whole different, um, you know, sort of, you know, skill set. So anyway, and I, I think also we have to balance out as hiring managers, uh, you, you know, tr- trying to, you know, get the right candidate and the urgency And, um, you know, I've never worked at an organization, an internal recruiter. So I think there's some interesting things that will come out later in this conversation about it. But anyway. Yeah, thanks, Michael.
0: And then, Greg, I know you're, you're, you're newer into it. So just wondering if there were some misconceptions before coming in. And what have you seen lay of the land now?
3: Yeah, I think one misconception is that I've heard from a couple of people is that they think that. Their salary comes out of our fee agreement. So if we, from what we charge, they're going to be, you know, they're going to end up with a lower salary, which is just not the case. Um, people that can, it's, it's good when a company can afford a recruiter or an external agency. That means that, you know, they have money to spend on bringing in the right person. Um, and it has no impact on your salary. Uh, they, they have a budgeted amount and that's what they're going to stick to. So that would be my one misconception. Um, Yeah.
0: Perfect. Now then let's, let's, let's switch gears and talk about on the other end. um, I know you guys network have placed in lots of candidates, but any actual tips you have in this, in this lay of the land, I know every role is different. Every company is a little bit different, but um, any, any kind of actual tips you have for people seeking jobs or or working with you, whether it's, you know, agency wise or in-house recruiting wise, I'll start with you, Greg,
3: yeah, I would just say, you know, if you're look if you're actively looking for a job, try to talk to as many of us as you can, um, because every we're going to have connections at different places, right? Uh, where I have a connection with is going to be different where Michael has a connection with, which is going to be different than what Sarah has a connection with. Recruiter people might not feel like recruiters would say that, but it's true. You know, uh, we we really want to get you placed, and that's really what's most important, and get you placed somewhere that you want to be and where the company finds value in what you provide. So. I'm very altruistic when it comes to recruiting and I would say that that's, uh, yeah, that's important.
0: Yeah. Same question to you, Michael. What are some of the actionable tips you have on the candidate side?
2: Yeah, I think, I think Greg's really right. Um, your recruiter really can be your friend and all agencies aren't the same, but you, Also, if you're in a certain space, you want to try to work with those agencies that really specialize in that space. Um, That's a big thing. And then also, we're not trying to be difficult. We are in a difficult situation. So the context is critical. And so um, we want your resume as quick as possible. We're trying to screen out if you have those XYZ skills. Um, and we want to help you. And Greg brought up a really good point with the salary. In fact, we'll help you get the highest range salary if your experience is commensurate with it, because um, we're working with the hiring manager. We're working with the budget. So we're not going to lowball you, but we're going to try to facilitate that. So work with us. We're going to do everything we can. And the sooner you get us your resume, the sooner we can present you if you're the right fit. Got you. Anything to add there, Sarah?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. The the sentiment that Greg and, and Michael mentioned that, you know, we do work together. A lot of recruiters, we all know each other, especially in health tech. And so if I don't have a, a good fit, I will always send them over to another company. Um, I think I have, the, my kind of advice is like pretty tactical. It's like, if you have a word document resume, like, time to update, make it a PDF for the love of God, make it a PDF. Like there are too many resources online. Um, I don't want to give plugs for other, but like Google it, like resume builder, right? Like go look at something and like build a resume. It takes 15 minutes, make it nice and modern. I think another thing is interviewing people, um, love to kind of just ramble. They get nervous and I get it. Right. But like, 60 seconds to 90 seconds, like all you need for any answer, pretty much. Um, I think it's really key. And then I would say a hot take, and I'll be very curious if Michael and Greg agree, but I think show enthusiasm, right? Like even if you know this is not the right role, like you want to be in control of your own destiny. So take 20 minutes, look at the company include it in your answers of like, Hey, I'm really interested in turquoise because of X, Y, and Z. Here are my skills that show that like get to the next step, right? You want to be the one to say, I want this role or not get to that offer stage. So that's my kind of take.
3: <laughs> I'll add to that too. Um, I, I think, cause I, I specialize a lot in the, the in the startup space and the roles are very ambiguous. So, you know, taking an interview for a lower level role is not only a good practice from an interview standpoint, because we don't get an interview every single day, but it's also an opportunity to potentially land a, a role. That's not that one. And, you know, coming at an elevated title.
0: No, I love it. Um, and yeah. I'm, I'm curious for you guys being able to maybe talk a little bit about whether it's in-house um, and I'll start with you, Sarah, and uh, same way with Michael and Greg, Maybe the cost of you know a bad hire, right? Or you know when you guys work with some organizations that maybe bring you in because it hasn't worked out and um, you know they haven't wanted to spend the money. But maybe talk a little bit about because I think it's the under, uh, it's the, the elephant in the room not talked about in many organizations, right? Um, because it certainly does. But maybe shed some light on how much of those conversations happen, or you know how you've seen some of that play out um, at the different stops you have from a recruiting perspective. I'll start with you, Sarah.
1: Yeah, you know, back when I um, worked at that kind of hybrid staffing agency, and so, you know, it was volume, we were trying to talk to a lot of people, all of that. And um, it is really difficult, kind of what Michael said, where you're having to learn just enough about the business and you're hiring managers, but you have 20 other regs and, you know... Um, a lot of times, especially on the agency side, there are those contingency fees. If like you're not placing somebody within 90 days, you have to start the search over and all of that, or you have to do prorated amount. And it's expensive and it's timely. And, um, you know, we want to get to know you. And like the best way I think candidates can help that is showing that, you know, doing a thank you email, following up. Like really having those concise answers, I think internally, you know, it's really expensive if we make a mishire, right? Like we're, I don't know what the average is, but like, you know, $100,000 if we make a mishire. And so it's really important to get alignment with hiring managers about what they need right off the bat. Because again, we don't want to be 35 days into a search and it's like, oh, well, we need this too. It's like, okay, well, we just now wasted how many thousands of dollars on the hiring team, hours, my time. So it's um, just expensive if they want to make mistakes.
0: No, it, it, it sure is. Right. And depending on the roles and uh, I've, I've had some some experience on the sales side. Right. Because, you know, you can have some opportunity costs because you're trying to uh, fly the plane while, while you're building it and putting some people on too. Uh, what about you, Michael? Any any thoughts there on what you've seen or experience on kind of you know the cost of, um, you know, mishiring or, or not being able to fill some of those placements?
2: Yeah, I think the cost of hiring, I mean, the, you know, you see some places like it's 30 percent of the annual salary. Um, but really, I think it's it's um, so many problems with hiring. So, I mean, the morale, all those intangibles that just suck could suck the lifeblood out of your company. So, um, you know, it's it's critical. Um, and uh, but the candidate experience is so important, too. I mean, I think I just talked to someone that just uh, was hired on as a CFO. He went through 10 interviews. So, you know, there's got to be a balance, too. I think four to five after that, it's like, um, so, uh, yeah, you want to hire right and you want to have the experience right. And and going back to what Sarah said earlier with uh, the talent acquisition, we are really the first line of that experience marketing, and how we treat the candidate, how we create the conversation on culture, and this and that. So there's so many opportunities to get it right, but no, not ten interviews. Uh, that just is not right. So, so.
0: sheesh, that's a yeah, that's, that's that's probably the the high the highest. And uh,
3: what what about you, Greg? Anything that you uh,
0: have seen out there?
3: Yeah, I would just say yeah. it depends on what level you're you're hiring at. Just because you know, if you bring in a senior level salesperson and they start bringing on their own team, and then he ends up being the wrong person and he leaves, you know, the people that he brought in are probably going to go along with them. So, I mean, it can the impact can be astronomical in terms of dollars and cents, and you know, down down downhill effects of having that bad hire in terms of culture, like Michael had brought up.
0: Yeah, and I, I I think that you know as you work on high high growth startups, especially right there's the extra incentive to do things fast and you know get people and and, and get seats and especially get some boots on the ground out there in sales, but. Yeah, it, it always, it, it always baffled me, you know, whether we would want to spend, you know, $1,500 for a sales tool, uh, maybe some software to aid it, um, you know, and said, Oh, no, that's probably too expensive as we grow the sales team. But then, you know, to your point, um, you know, we, we, we wouldn't necessarily quantify w- whether we were hiring the right salespeople, right. But I think a lot of times, you know, it's a in your face cost versus a cost that, you know, only shows itself, you know, six, 10, 12 months, and it's kind of hard to quantify. Um, but I have to imagine you guys are seeing the Specifically in the digital health market, everything, all the dollars and cents are counted, right? So it's 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 for sure being up there. Um, well, good. So we're gonna go in and we're gonna um you know, do some rapid fire questions, right? Um, so I I, I prepared some questions and um, in love for your guys' perspective. There's no right or wrong answer. Um, you know, speaking for yourselves, but uh, you know, we'll 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 try to run through these and you know, less than one or two minutes each. But I'm interested, and uh, I'll, I'll start with you, Greg. The first one. So, um, you know, quality versus quantity, right? And I know we touched about it too a little bit, but um, you know, how do you kind of prioritize filling positions quickly and then finding the best fit um, so far, and what
3: you've seen? Yeah, you got you got to have both, especially if you're an external agency. You have to have quality and quantity. Um, I really focus early on on filling or on getting resumes over quickly. And then having that first call within like the first five days of taking on the job with the hiring manager, whoever's um, whoever's doing the, the hiring for the position, and showing them those resumes, and then being able to say like, okay, what don't you like and what do you like about these resumes, and then being able to refine my search based off of based off of that discussion. So I think in that sense, I'm very quick. Um, but after that, it, it definitely comes down to um, quality and being the like, being finding the, the, best I find the best fit.
0: Yeah. What about you, Michael? How do you kind of balance that quality versus quantity?
2: Yeah, it's really important. Um, The intake, I I always, if I can, I want to get an intake with the hiring manager, that 45 minute to really, um, you'll find out, tell me about the job description. Uh, Yeah, we borrowed that. What? Yeah. You know, so it's like, okay, uh, you know, so, you, you know, won't you know go line by line the job description but really trying to get that clear clarify the expectations of really what that hiring manager needs and uh, yeah quality big time i mean you got to have the right candidates so that is critical because you ju- you just can't um, give resumes if, if you know you'll find out quick but there is an art to it so you can spend 45 minutes with a hiring manager and still really you know there's st- You you, you know, a lot of times it might be backfill there. You know, Greg was this awesome or Sarah. Well, they were not going to be able to find Sarah. You know, that was the IT and this and doing X, Y, Z. So, you know, really uh, like Greg was saying, you know, with hopefully within, you know, 48 hours. You know, it's not because when you're doing the search, you, you know, you'd like to get those candidates to them in a, in a reasonable, timely fashion, but you still got to really screen and make sure you're getting the quality. So there's a balance, but then when you but do that, you, do also that you also want to get, get feedback within again. that and then just sort of hone in on that.
0: Yeah, Sarah, any thoughts on the, on the quality versus quantity?
1: Oh, quality all day. Um, and again, kind of that one, going back to the bad hire, it's, you know, one bad hire can bring down the whole team. And so, um, I will say, like in house, it's, it's pretty nice. Like time to fill, not as big of a deal, which is great for me. Um, I don't miss the the days when people are looking at my numbers all day. So, um, but quality, but 100%. quality.
0: 100%. Yeah, perfect. And it's a it's a perfect segue. So, would love for you guys because we have a wide variety on this panel. Um, you kind of talk about the internal versus external, you know, hiring, right? And and, and maybe talk about know, why companies or when companies, you know, build that when they maybe use, you know, external versus internal, no right or wrong answers, but interested in your guys' perspectives on, um, you know, when you have some of those conversations and maybe, you know, the pluses and minuses of each. I'll start with you, Sarah.
1: Yeah, and sorry, just for my clarification, do you mean um, mm-hmm. um using like um, or agency? or talking about, talking about
0: Yeah, apologies there. Yeah, just kind of, you know, when 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 companies are building out their um, you know, their their they're recruiting, right? Um, you know, what 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 tends to be some of the, you know, is it is it a size, you know, to use agencies, when do they kind of, you know, that whole process uh, with building it internally versus using some agencies?
1: Yeah. Um so I think it's interesting, you know, like before Turquoise, I was on a Series C. And so they had a fairly developed uh, TA program by the time I got there. I um, did not have a clinical recruiter. So that's like what I ended up building out. But with Turquoise, you know, I was the founding recruiter. And so my boss, who is head of people who had no recruiting experience, was managing it. And when I got in to our ATS system, there were email, like applications that had been sitting there for eight months with no responses and all that. And so I do think there's value in bringing in somebody to start managing it and then identifying kind of the gaps and coverage of saying, Hey, I do need external help. Um, and I think external agencies are great, especially for kind of those very niche roles and like immediate, uh, needs. And so there's a lot of great partnerships out there. Um, and so I think it really is dependent on the team and the budget and all that when to look. But, to look. but um, um, I think early on, think it's, early it's on.
0: Yeah, no, it's super interesting. Uh, what about you, Michael? Um, you know, what have you seen kind of on that internal um, and then how you've kind of partnered with some other uh, different companies and going through that process?
2: Yeah, I I know sometimes companies, big companies like Google and Amazon, they say they don't use any internal recruiting agencies, but they wrap it around uh, another firm. Um, Don't want to mention any names. So, you know, with the resource, like making it really efficient, you know, their systems that there's in place. Um, But I think typically in the recruiting industry, With retained search, you know, you get certain researches and they're going to give it to you and they're going to run with it. They're going to partner with you and they're going to utilize your services regardless because that's your expertise and whatever it be. But then also just with the firms out there trying to get business, you know, they usually it's based on, you know, they're having real difficulty finding that one candidate, whether it be a really uh, specific skill set. And it's just, you, you know, like. 90 percent of those candidates that you're going to have to find, they're not coming to the website. They're not applying. So they need, you know, an agency. So that's usually where we come in and, you know, really actively, you know, engage that that those candidate pools. So um, that's typically how we're engaged. engaged.
0: That makes sense. Any thoughts there, Greg, to round us out?
3: Yeah, I think yeah. that Michael and Sarah, you know, hit on hit on most of the points Um, as an external agency. I'd say one thing that, you know, we bring to the table is that a lot of people reach out to us in particular because we have our hands in the pot everywhere as opposed to in one single place. So that is one advantage of, I guess, an external agency is that we're talking with, you know, a lot of people that might have a broad interest in multiple different companies. Um So, you know, sometimes we can have a better pulse on um the talent that's the available, talent that's available. And, and, it depends it on, depends how, on how... how niche down you are. Um, like I focus pretty much primarily on product roles. So, you know, I know that if you come to me, like, or people know if they come to me, like, I've got to, I'm going to have a product role available. And companies know that if, you know, they come to me that I'm going to have a product person that's First looking, that's looking, for, a job, looking that's for a job, that's product quality. Quality. quality.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And uh, there's there's lots of need for a uh, product, especially in the, all the world that we're in, right, which is the health tech world. It's rapidly advancing. Uh, final one, and really interested in the group's thoughts here on, you know, the human versus AI in recruitment, right? So uh, specifically, I guess, you know, how technology can either you know, help or hinder the process. And I'm sure it's rapidly changing. So I'll start with you, Greg, on this one.
3: Yeah, if Michael or Sarah have any tips on how to implement AI in the recruiting process, I will uh, I will gladly take those. Um, I I think it's y- you have to learn how to adopt it. You're going to have to. That's because at some point it's going to be too valuable not to. And you know if you're if you're not open to adopting AI in your sales process or your recruiting process, I think that you're going to be left behind at some point. So I'm always open to, to learning about ways to to use AI and, and upskill um, and make things easier because that's that's really what it's all about I don't think it, AI is not going to replace recruiters um, but it, it will make their jobs um, exceedingly easier I think over time over time
0: yeah I love it uh, any thoughts there Michael on how you've seen kind of the impact uh, so far and, and, and to be determined on how it's helped to hurt
2: yeah, I definitely think there's a huge place for it. It's just trying to figure out. I know there's probably software companies as we speak trying to create new add-ons. You see it every day on, you know, LinkedIn or whatever. But, um, you know, and yeah, you can use chat GPT, but be careful when you use it because it will lie. I mean, it will put in something, you know, if you want someone to create an amazing Candidate summary. Well, of course, uh, this person was top 10 of whatever in healthcare, you know? So, um, I guess we call that a hallucination, an AI hallucination, but with automation, uh, I believe, you know, LinkedIn recruiter, most agencies use that. That's the big thing. Um, not telling anyone a secret that, you know, there's a, um, but they probably like Netflix already have certain things built in, I would say. And like, Um, they do recommendations, you know, when we're doing a candidacy search, you know, and they start seeing we're looking for X, Y, Z. It's like, oh, wow, that's helpful. But still, um, you know, I'm big in technology, but the the recruiter, a a human being is critical. There's just certain things that just don't translate. And when you use CHAP, it it, it isn't going to add any value. If anything, it's going to detract. So um, I really see that it's more about really being specific to what that hiring manager is and filling that gap. So um, though Um, they can, there's a lot lot of tools that we'll see with. with.
0: Yeah, for sure. I like that. I, I remember one, one hiring manager uh, you know told me on the recruiting process. He's like, I've I've been recruit or you know, I've I've been hiring people for 20 plus years and I want to know where all the bad sales reps are, right? Because every uh you know, every resume he gets, you know, <laughs> he talks about all the, you know, it's various different ways, right? But he hasn't seen a bad sales rep in uh, in, in, in 20 plus years. Um, you know, what about you, Sarah? Any thoughts on the impact on technology?
1: Yeah, yeah. I am a huge chat GBT fan. I love it. Like I am on it all day. I have it on my iPhone now. Like this is my new Google. I don't care if it's delayed by three years, 2021 data. Um, I have implemented it to kind of build up processes internal. So I don't love doing TA ops, TA and, like, ops and documenting greenhouse processes and all of that and opening a rec and like all the stuff I need to show to hiring teams. So I've used it to build that out, fill in the gaps there um, like even cost benefit analysis, kind of what we we're talking about before, how much does it cost to hire someone like, Hey, give me a framework for this and it'll kind of break it down. And then I put it together. Um, I think from the candidate side, like they should be using it for cover letters for, um, you know, even like best templates for references or, um, LinkedIn messages. I started doing it for my own LinkedIn posts. So I'll type in, you know, I want to do a Friday post and I want to use a lot of emojis and then I don't like it. I'll like more emojis, cut it down, make it friendlier. Bam. Like I've now done a piece of content. I'll get 5,000 hits from it. It took me five minutes. So I think it I'm I'm here for it. It's not gonna replace, it's not gonna me. replace me. Nothing would. Nothing Yeah. Would, but yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, if anything, the example that you just described, it's uh it it's only made better, you know, by the human and prompting and reprompting and all that fun stuff. And um well, good. Well appreciate you guys answering the questions. And I guess it's similar to this, but would love your perspectives on you know, any predictions, right? I mean, it's not I'm I'm not as uh in, in depth to the uh to, to the recruiting world, but um, you know, I guess just in general is, you is the landscape overall, um, you know, gonna disrupt or pretty much, you know, stay the same here in the short term. Um, and then I guess specific to healthcare, what are some of those trends you see, um, you know, here, here in the near future? So I'll start with you, Sarah. Sarah's on mute so we'll go to you Greg first and then go back to Sarah.
3: Yeah so I think one of the one of the big things I've seen lately is how much b2B sales experience um, in the life sciences so there's a lot of life science companies selling to other life science companies and so that's that's a hot topic right now. I think in terms of I think we might be seeing a shift in or at least an increasing popularity in b2c health. And digital healthcare, where you might see more companies coming out with a subscription-based model. In which case, I see growth product managers being extremely and growth product marketing managers being extremely valuable to organizations moving forward, um, because those you know ultimately end up being sort of the salespeople of your organization for some of these B two C companies. So, those are those are two of my predictions um,
1: from what I've seen, um, so, what far. I've seen so far.
0: No, I like it. And then going back to you, Sarah, um, what, are, what are you seeing from some of those predictions wise?
1: Yeah, I would say yeah, that, would say you that. Know, healthcare is going to continue to grow. We're always going to need it. And I think that Gen Z in particular is really um, excited by mission-driven organizations. And so I think they're really targeting healthcare um, and kind of in that same vein of product roles, growth roles, all of that. I think kind of those tech skills. So whether it's SQL, you know, AI, ML, like whatever, revenue cycle, right? Getting those skills is key um, to being kind of a more elite, you know, desirable candidate.
0: No, I love it. And I think um, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of changes the whole interview process. I'm sure you guys see it firsthand. Uh, What about you, Michael? Any predictions you're seeing at just an overall level and then specific to healthcare?
2: I think we're going to see, uh, healthcare. We all know it's going, uh, being disrupted, uh, still. Um, there's been challenge with the capital raise with digital and digital health startups, but, um, you know, when you talk, um, like it must have been like two months ago, a VP 20 some years at a healthcare uh, system let go. Uh, I think we're going to still see a lot of that. These health systems are struggling to, Redefine their revenue and their business models, and so I don't know what that looks like, but I know um, it's going to look a little bit what's happened to banks with brick and mortar. Of course, we're going to have hospitals, but this, it's it's going to put a lot of strain on that, and so it's going to be a lot of opportunity for you know those companies like yours that that are here talking. Uh, those digital health technology companies, but um, you know that's one thing. And then just the ever demand on upskilling. Just like Sarah was sh- sharing, how she's using Chat GPT. Uh, we are just going to have to be as knowledge workers even more sufficient and efficient with how we utilize our our brain and tools. So that's a challenge on our on the knowledge on workers. The knowledge workers. Now, it'll be interesting to follow,
0: particularly since no matter what changes, right? Having the right people quickly and building the team and growing and scaling the team is going to be uh, super important, right? So there's lots of ways to do that. But one thing's for certain, it's, it's still going to be important probably years of fun years from now. Um, perfect. So I'll start with you, Greg, and then we'll go around the room. Um, this is your time, you know, anything that you guys want to plug personally or, you know, professionally tell a little bit about your, Organization or yourself, and uh, this is your time to, to, to shine here before we go.
3: Yeah, so uh, I'll plug Circuit Talent. That's the company that I work for. We specialize in the life sciences and uh, genomics and oncology space and diagnostics. I was brought on three months ago to bring out, to build out our health tech space. And uh, also want to plug Call Sign 22. It's my uh, nonprofit organization that is centered around veteran suicide. Um, we're Building out a web-based platform called Engage, um, so that should be coming out here in the next uh, couple of months. At least our MVP will be released then. So, um, those are my shout outs. Shout outs.
0: Perfect, and we'll make sure those uh, links are in are, are in the notes. Uh, anything for you, Michael?
2: Yeah, I just yeah, um, I I'm wor- I'm with Desanti. We're a veteran-owned, a woman-owned uh, minority small business talent acquisition. I'm driving growing the healthcare uh, sector. And then also, I have a Planetary Health First, Mars Next. It's just a little podcast, just trying to have really good, dynamic, fun conversations on moving, driving healthcare forward. Yeah, it's a must-listen for anybody.
0: And I know my audience loves anything healthcare, so we'll make sure that we uh, drive everybody to there because it's, it's it's definitely good. Um, what about you, Sarah? Round us out. Um, talk to a little bit about Love the Mission at Turquoise Health.
1: Yeah, so... Um, plug for Turquoise Health Series A, Andreessen back startup. You know, our goal is to make healthcare pricing, you know, simpler. That's kind of more transparent. And ideally, the goal is to make it lower costs. And so, you know, doing a couple of very cool things with, you know, data, rate analytics, dashboards, um, contract and compliance, all of that. And so, you know, check us out. Um, you know, great career page page, great
0: recruiter. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, we'll make sure you have that career page and all those good openings because, uh, I, I highly recommend it. Love their leadership team. And then also to the mission, right? I mean, who can't get behind making, um uh, <laughs> making healthcare a little bit more <laughs> price transparency. So Sarah, Michael, Greg, it was really awesome. I think you shed a lot on a lot of uh, what I would call, you know, every, everybody knows about recruiting, but then doesn't really know about recruiting, or at least that's the way I feel, right? And I was, I was in it probably closer than others. So uh, excited to get this episode out and uh, inform the listeners. Thanks again for you guys.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast. Special thanks to the healthcare recruiting panel who joined us. Make sure to check out the blog as well as the show notes to find all of the best jobs in healthcare tech right now and make sure to subscribe, share rate and review five-star review. If you really enjoyed the podcast and make sure to share it with someone who might be interested in the intersection of sales and digital health, looking forward to the next episode where we feature a healthcare operator that is doing fantastic work and, advancing healthcare operations. Thanks.